Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and no, I haven't left you. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, you really think that I would leave you on this mission that would be called life without me to be your tour guide, your captain, and the man that gets you through troubled waters? No. I took the day, an extra day, to make sure that I could give you the best coverage that we possibly can after Origin 1. Yeah, we want to think about the, you know, it throws everything off for our picks, but the cool thing about Origin 1 being put where Origin 1 is, is that the league pushes a couple games back so I can do a little bit of Origin 1 recap and not miss the first kickoff for the NRL round. Now, I did miss the first game of the AFL round, but we'll go over that still today. But enough of that. Let's take a breath for a second. Woosa. Okay, now let's begin. I want to go over the first, the round that just finished, round 13. Go over the scores really quick with you guys. Um, we bounced back after that horrendous week that we will never talk about again on Outside the Sheds. That your shed Adama somehow lost his back tire and it went past the front of a 90 mile per hour moving vehicle. I don't know how that's possible mathematically, but it happened. But we went 50-50 this week, and it was a tough week because it's tough to pick these games. I almost think these are games that you... Let me put it this way. People that gamble on the week of origin, probably you should go get some counseling because you can't really pick a game. Like, for example, the Tigers beat the Panthers, snapped the Panthers' winning streak, but can you really say the Panthers lost that game? Yes, the Tigers win, and you have to really... You really have to pat the the West Tigers on the back right now. They seem to be playing all the teams at just the right time. Because, I I don't know about you, but there's no way on God's green earth that the Tigers beat a a full side intact of the Penrith Panthers. That just isn't happening. It's, it's, It's apples and oranges. But... When you take five players out of a Penrith Panthers side and you put Burton in the halves with a guy that hasn't played halves with him as a partner for a while, well, guess what happens? You exploit them. And a lot of people think that that's called Matt Burton into question because he couldn't get the Panthers firing on all cylinders, blah, 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 blah. You know, is Matt Burton that player? Come on. That's a lot of weight for a kid. And I know that next year, if everything goes as planned, he's going to be the 5'8" or the halfback for the Canterbury Bulldogs. But to carry the weight of a team that hasn't lost, uh, it's a total different thing. It's a total different, you know, I'm not going to compare that. The kid has still a magical foot. I think he's going to be fine. Well, he's going to be fine now. You know, who knows what happens when you go off to the Canterbury Bulldogs right now. Because right now they have a, a, a problem where I don't even think they can grow hair on the dog, if you know what I mean. Because that's a strange looking little dog right now that's going on in Canterbury. But I jumped ahead a little bit. The first game that started off the round was the Dragons, uh, how do I say this nicely, disposing of the Brisbane Broncos, 52-24. to 24. I think a lot of people don't pay attention that that was a big rivalry game. 
And what I mean by that is there's a lot of players that play for the Dragons now that have Broncos blood in them. And Ben Hunt, you know, Corey Norman, uh, and on and on and on. Um, Jack Bird, I think, is the one that really takes it to home because they really kind of jettison Jack Bird. And every single one of those guys, well, they played like the West Tigers play against Newcastle. They just, you know, they just, they just for whatever reason, those guys remembered everything bad that happened to them and why they left Brisbane for whatever reason, and they took it out on the Broncos all at once. Because, let's be honest, if that Dragons team lines up like that through most of their losses they've had this season, I bet you they win half of those games. And it's crazy what motivation of players does. But it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge, huge difference. And, again, it was shown. The the, the, the Dragons performed they played on all cylinders. You know, Corey Norman's, his kicking was incredible. Uh, Jack Bird scores a try. I'm just saying everything. Uh, Matt Duffy, even though he doesn't have uh, Broncos roots, Matt Duffy, Matt Duffy played incredible. Um, it just, everything fell in place for St. George. And the Broncos really could do nothing about it. Uh, I told you the Tigers 26, Panthers 6. Yes, the Tigers win, but they only win by 20 points. If you think about it, they win by 20 points for a team that lost both of their halves. Um, Brian Tao. Uh, it, it just, there's, those are some huge losses that they had for the Penrith Panthers. So, yes, uh, congratulations to the Tigers. You finally performed at Leichhardt like you should. Uh, but really, again, I think if you know the game, we really still have no idea how good this Tigers team is. Because every time they've got a victory, something's happened to the team they were playing at that put them at a little bit of a disadvantage. That's not going to be the case this week when they take on the Parramatta Eels. So well, that'll be their real sounding board to see what happens there uh, on Sunday. And then, speaking of those same Eels, they got back in the win in winning form uh, just like the Tigers do, they took it out on the Newcastle Knights. And you just have to feel for the Newcastle Knights. I, I just, you know, they were hoping to go 50-50 after Mitchell Pierce went down with his injury. And they're not even coming close to that. You know, now you're looking at, you know, how seriously injured is Kalen Ponga? Because he hasn't played for a while now. And do you really bring Kalen Ponga back? Do you really feel that the Newcastle Knights can make a late-season charge to get back into playoff contention, into the you know into even even view of the top eight, let alone not even playing in the top eight, but in view of the top eight? And you can't say that. And you have to feel for Adam O'Brien. I'm just saying, the guy, the guy has tried everything. You can't. You can't go in the sheds and peel the paint off of walls week in and week out and still have a team continue to listen to you. You just can't. So as he sits back and thinks of how he's going to try to bring the best out of his club, and you can see by watching him in the box, you know, he isn't a full-on bellyache, but he's got some Bellamy in him where he, he pulls paint off walls. And his face will show you from the amount of redness that gets in his cheeks and his hair, blah, 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 uh, that he struggles. He struggles with trying to contain his emotions. You know, he doesn't go full, you know, 
tomato can like like uh, uh, Coach Holbrook does with the uh, Titans, but he gets red. But you just wonder where they go, where they go forward with that. Um, one thing, I want to come back as we kind of give a little bit of breakdown from these matches. The thing that I think a lot of people were worried about showed its ugly head in that Tigers victory. And no matter how good of a player Dane Gagai has been for um, the Tigers, going down and faking injury in a game that is known to be in your face, violent at you know best, just and to jump up after you get the penalty and wink. And I know he didn't think the camera was on him right then, but he wasn't injured. And a lot of players said that that's what's going to happen. And one of the things that has pushed me off of soccer since I really was into watching Manchester United back in the mid-90s is that it used to be that you could take a a 2 by 4 to a soccer player's legs in the EPL and he wasn't going down. You have to understand, soccer players, like rugby players, have some of the strongest legs in professional sports. And a tiny little tackle of the of the ankle or a small kick to the ankle isn't making a guy fall over like he got hit with a high-powered rifle at 100 yards. And that is why I just, you know, everyone says it's, it's the world's game. Yeah, maybe. I'm saying if you look at, I guess, the money that's being exchanged and, and sometimes attendance for World Cups and some major matches, you might be right in some ways. But I can't handle watching a sport where you really don't know if anybody's hurt because they're all acting. And that is what we cannot have in the game of rugby league. That is not what rugby league is. Rugby league is laying it out on the line, putting your body, unfortunately, at risk, but also putting the other guy's body at risk by being able to, to tackle him back. It is, a, it's a, it is a tough, tough game. We all know this. But the moment that guys start milking penalties, we've missed the whole reason that Volandis and his crew are going after the headshots, the, the head injuries. And I want we're going to talk about this a lot more detail when we go into Origin, uh, as we talk about Origin 1. But that really angered me. That angered me a lot. And it, and it became kind of a sounding board off of a lot of the chat rooms, a lot of broadcasts um, talking about this incident of Dane guy, Dane guy, guy jumping up and 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 acting like he'd been injured, and so you know I I don't know. Hopefully, um, like we'll get into it again as we talk about origin. But it looks like the Eagles are back on track. Uh, you know, Adam O'Brien's in trouble. There's just a lot of things that you that came out of only a four-game schedule. But it was a very unique round. Again, uh, the hectic cheese helped the Storm hold on to beat the Titans 20-14. to And that was, uh, wow, that game had me worried because I could not lose that game after thinking the Broncos were going to do something and that the Panthers would hold serve. So thank you, hectic cheese for letting me at least break 50-50 for this week. Now, that was the round, and I know no one was really thinking about round 13. Everyone was all talking about and thinking about 
and looking at Origin 1. Well, Origin 1 happened in front of 27,533 Screaming Maroons fans in Townsville. Uh, so much so, the Townsville just was not ready for the amount of traffic of people that came into their town. And it, 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 and a festival almost broke out, a tent festival, because people just started putting tents up. Almost like a, a non-stop tailgate party to get everyone in there. But no matter what you can say about two of the three games being in Queensland, the Blues took the Maroons behind the woodshed and ragdolled them. And that's being nice. That is being nice. Like, I've watched every Origin match now since 2011, okay? I have never seen one team totally booted off the park like that before. Even in the heyday of the Big Three and Jonathan Thurston and all of that, it was competitive games. You know, Paul Gallen would have rather fallen on a grenade than let something like that happen. Now, Gal had a lot more losses than victories in the series, but there was no way he was going to let the the Blues get embarrassed like that, uh, especially on home soil like that. And I really kind of felt bad for the for the Townsville people because, you know, in their entire life, I don't know if any of them expected for an origin game to be taking place in Townsville like that. And, and the, what they got from that Maroons club, and I... I think we have to think about that for a second. Really, were the Maroons club that bad? Or is this Blues squad a squad that's just about ready to dominate for the next 10 years like the Maroons did in, you know, the the, the late the late uh, 2000s uh, and and through, you know, the 2010s. Um, and and I and I really really pose that question to you shedheads. Are we seeing the beginning of a dynasty switching back the other way and the reason I say that is to me there was two words that came out of this origin round Panthers and Sims and let me go into detail about this because Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai and Brian Tao were the heartbeat of that club now I know Turbo you know Turbo's back, back again. Yes, I know. There you, there you go, shedheads. But what I'm saying is, Turbo's going to get his. He's a freak. Tom Travojevic is playing not even in his desired position, and he's dominating. And and just dominating. That's all you can say. He's dominating. He's playing, and he he's so far above everybody else on the field in so many ways. Uh, he, the guy is just a freak. But the heart of that Blues camp, what I started to think of when I was watching was the joy we've watched with the Penrith Panthers this last season and a half. The exuberance that team has, the energy, the joy, the smiles. The spirit of the Blue Mountains has infested and infected the New South Wales camp. In a good way. In a very, very good way. And everybody was rumbling and talking about, you know, there's, look at how well the Blues played 
and think that there were people saying that they just didn't think that was a good choice taking, taking Jerome instead of Jack Whiten to partner with Nathan Cleary. Think about that now. After what just happened. And putting Brian Tile out there on the on the on the wing so he can run out there with Latrell. Tell me about fear. Talk about fear now of that side being formed up together with those guys. I they're in trouble, the Maroons are. And I and I really feel that it is the spirit of the Penrith Panthers that is now in that camp. I, I will I will never get the image. I, to me, the image from Origin is before the game even started, James Tedesco was being interviewed uh, as the team was coming off the bus. And and the guy the, the guy asked him, uh, Teddy, you know, was it quiet on the bus or was there or was the music blaring? And right when they said that the team is filing off the bus, and here comes Jerome Luai in a bucket hat with a boom box on his shoulder, looking like he's getting ready to do a fill-in piece on Beat Street 1 or 2 or Breakin. And the, 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 the moxie, the little bit of arrogance, the confidence... That team didn't think they were getting ready to go in front of 27,000 plus and lose. They were there to take care of business. And they really were going to take care of business and let you know who the hell they were. And I was blown away. I was blown away by how well the Blues looked. Um, And I think, you know, listening to Gus Gould, who did a brilliant intro again, but listening to a lot of the Blues... Uh, you know, from 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 Andrew Johns to you know some of the guys who were just there broadcasting, where they were hesitant, where everything looked like it should have been a Blues victory, but we still got to play the game in Queensland, and it never it, it, that never transpired. They they took care of business. They you know Brian Tao. They were all worried about him being too small. He dominated on his wing. It just, it was, uh, and if you're a Maroons fan, you you listen to a lot of people talk from the Maroons camp after the match, and there was this feeling, uh-oh, like this may not be the last time we see this, and we may be seeing this quite a bit now. You know, because remember, DCE, Daily Cherry Evans is 32 years old. In his, in peak form, let's give him, Three years, three years more of origin, okay? That gets him to 35. And that's if he pulls a Cameron Smith. And if you look at DCE, DCE doesn't get injured. Knock on wood. Because I would hate for Daily Cherry Evans to come down with an injury. But three years, okay? He's your captain of your club, of the Maroons. So you be thinking right now, who's, who's DCE's replacement, right? And think of that replacement and now try to compare them to Cleary and Aluai. In the halves. And we saw that Cameron Munster, who everyone talks about, the free-flowing, play what's in front of you, uh, you know, just the magic man, and how he can just do things on a wisp. He can just he just pull things magic out of the air. He was so frustrated, he struck out in a kicking form, in, in a kicking motion at a player. Cameron Munster was not in right space, not in right mind. And you can say, Queenslander, as much as you want. That wasn't going to do anything. 
last night. That wasn't going to do anything. So you think about who could be partnering Cameron Munster in the halves. And I still go, well, I'm still taking Cleary and Luai. And not even not even batting an eye, not even thinking twice about that. You feel for you feel for 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 players that are watching that going, there's not going to be a change in the halves unless one of those guys is hurt for years now. And there probably shouldn't be. There probably shouldn't be. Now, the other name I said, or the other word I said when I said Panthers and Sims, was Tarek Sims. And I've told you, Shedheads, about when I met Tarek Sims. And of all the players that I met, Tarek Sims was the most genuine, from the bottom of his heart, friendly and happy player that I met. Right? And you're standing next to this guy that looks like he could probably club you if you needed to. Okay, I can hold my own. Don't you worry about that, Shedheads. I'm a big guy. Kind of. But Tarek Sims, uh, you know, put his arm around me. He just, you know, he he was just a friendly dude. And I wasn't expecting it. Because you look at Tarek Sims and you think that he might, he might be a little gravelly. He might be a little distant. But he wasn't. And I think right then it kind of, I became a big fan of Tarek Sims. I don't care what team Tarek Sims plays on. I am a fan of Tarek Sims. And I think professional athletes, you they lose that sometimes, that thought process, how you can change somebody's entire impression of you by just the first time they meet you. And and how people can just be like, wow, that guy is cool. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. And I know these guys get some real jackasses. And I'm sorry for the harshness of that. But they deal with some real jackasses who can't put themselves in their position of... 500 people trying to ask them for a, a selfie or an autograph. And how that's got to be tiring when you just want to sit and have a meal with your girlfriend or your wife or your children or your buddies, whatever. But Tarek Sims understood that this was a meet and greet with fans. He, You could see he genuinely was like, you know what? You know, I'm out here. I'm an ambassador for a sport that I love. And wow, there's here's an American guy here who wants to say something to me. And it, and it was just real. And the reason I, I, I laid this whole diatribe about Tarek Sims is the one thing that Tarek Sims always does is he plays with emotion and he plays with heart. And I got to experience that firsthand. And what he provided to the Blues, besides that just bruiser enforcer that they probably have missed since Paul Gallen, he provided that heart and that spirit. Like, I will take what we need to. I will do what we need to do. But you take all of those things that we said. You can have all the talent and the heart in the world. You can be the biggest bruiser you want to in the world. But to throw a cutout pass like he threw from his knees as he was going down and put it on a dime to Brian Tyler to score the second try of the game was skill. That was skill. And, I, you know, I, I, I was happy for the Blues. I was happy for a lot of those guys. I was just as probably sad for the people of Townsville for the, the spectacle that they put on and the happiness that they've had. And I've always wanted, I've never been to Townsville. I really would love to come up there and visit. But it just, it just was sad that they had to experience that. They at least didn't even get a close game. But, um... You know, it was it was a true beating. 
And let's go over the stats a little bit I, I got for this game. Again, we know the score, 50-6, to six, New South Wales. Eight tries to one, Blues. 11 line breaks to one, Blues. Queensland had 1,129 running meters compared to 1,645 for New South Wales. Missed tackles was huge. 36 mixed tackles for the Maroons, 22 for the Blues. But then you start looking, and then you start looking at these numbers, which really show you how different the two teams are going. Because completion ration, the Maroons were 31 for 40, while the Blues were 30 of 38. So they were one off there in completion. And possession was even at 50. And we still got that outcome. A 44-point beatdown. Now, game two is Sunday, June 27th, 4.50 a.m. Stars and Stripes time at Suncorp. I don't think the Blues have won in Suncorp for two or three years. It's one or the other. But they could close the series out by winning on Queensland land. Winning at their Fortress of Solitude. Suncorp. And I don't know. I, I really, I, I'm going to say this. I, I, you put together the team that you have. Ben Hunt, who's there. You know, any of these guys. Even if, you, even if I said Kalen Ponga is going to be healthy. Do you really see Kalen Ponga being a 44-point difference in that, in that series? I don't. I don't. And it's almost to that point when you think about that, you look at the team, you look at these players, you look at the situation, and it makes you go exactly what I just said. The Blues have that feeling of the Penrith Panthers right now. Invulnerable. And I don't see it. I don't see it on paper. Now, I know Queensland, Queenslander will say it's the hot. The hot. Okay, cool. I'll give you your heart. I'll give you somebody else's heart. I'm not cutting that thing out, but I'm just saying I'll give you somebody else's heart. But now that you have two hearts, you're still 42 points behind because I just gave you two, right? Okay. And that's why I just, I, I don't see it. And it's been a long time since we've had a sweep in the series. But I'm going to tell you something. If they don't win game two, the Blues will sweep the series. Because they will not lose back in Sydney. They will not lose in Sydney. Mark it down. Put all of our, put all of our money to the middle of the table. The Blues will not lose in Sydney. As long as they're healthy. You know, I'm saying if they lose 10 players in the next game... Who knows what happens? But as long as they're healthy, without you know, with a few minor niggles, they're not losing. So Queensland, to save face, to save their pride, have to win Game Two at Suncorp. And I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. But I hope you guys got a chance to see the spectacle of Origin. If you want to watch the replay, it is a five our replay if you watch it off of the NRL app or or the Fox Footy app 
That's how much pregame they put into it. There's an hour postgame into it. I'm not even finished with the hour postgame. I'm listening to Freddie Fittler do his interview. And it's it's just incredible coverage. It's it, it is a spectacle. It's beautiful. I, I just I love state of origin. But before I move on, let me stop right in my tracks and go thank you. Thank you. Thank you, officials, for putting away your whistles and letting us get back to watching the game that we love. It's been so long now since we watched a game where a whistle wasn't blown every two seconds when we weren't always worried about, oh no, oh gosh, was that a dangerous hit? They're all dangerous hits. They're guys without pads running at each other at full tilt hitting one another. They're all dangerous hits. Just I don't, because I don't hit you in the head doesn't mean I couldn't break your ribs and puncture your lung. You're dying on the field probably, right? What I'm saying is you're tackling and hitting at a high rate of speed. They're all dangerous hits, folks. Shadheads are all dangerous hits. But thank you for letting the game flow. And it was, it was such a joy to get back to remembering why we love this game so much. And getting the freaking officials out of it and the whistles and let's stop and start, let's stop and start, let's stop and let's start. It's just tiring. And I was so happy that we didn't have to experience that. So let's go on to the 4020s. Um, just a few things that kind of broke this week. One of the big things, and I told you about, you know, the Tigers and how they've got their one premiership in 2005. And one of the major reasons for that was Tim Sheens, their coach back then, who let Benji Marshall be Benji Marshall. And Tim Sheens is back with his family. He's back with the Tigers. He's been hired as the head of football performance, working under Madge. And we'll see what that does. Like I told you, I'm not sold on this whole Madge thing right now. I know they've won a couple games now. But they're going to get a chance to show if if it's real or if it's just, how should I say, that that a little bit of a, a, hmm, that that was fake. And they're going to get a chance playing against the Parramatta Eels. But it's so great to see Tim Sheen's back with the Tigers. I think he should have never left when he did. If if you look at the track record of the Tigers since he left, hell no, he shouldn't have left. So welcome back, Tim Sheen's. Welcome back home, plain and simple. Now, big news out of the Cronulla Sharks camp. And I told you we were going to be following this story because there's a lot of players that are off contract with the Sharkies right now. And I... I, you know, Fitzgibbon is still still playing with where he wants to go with with his future, and it's come down. Uh, contracts will not be offered. It, let me change that. Contract extensions are not going to be offered to Sean Johnson, Josh Dugan, and Aaron Woodsy Woods. So I guess that means Fitzgibbon is happy with Matt Moyland instead of Sean Johnson. Myself, I flip it the other way. I'm taking Sean Johnson and I'm not keeping Matt Moylan. But that's that's Fitzgibbon's choice. And that starts making you wonder, will Dugan retire? He's complained about injuries. Where is Sean Johnson going to go? You know, and, and what does Aaron Woods think about doing? But that's that's huge now. Now we're starting to see, with Nico Hines coming in next year, what the spine might start to look like. You know, are they thinking about putting Nico Hines in the halves now? You know, that is; those are all stories 
that we will start to find out. And it's going to be a crazy offseason for the Sharks just to see how they're going to put this thing back together. And finally, in my 40-20, I don't like to end on a bad or sour note, so we'll end it with a positive. But after rupturing his ACL in his 276 NRL game, and his first as the captain of the Chooks, a.k.a. Roosters, Brett Morris has announced his retirement from Rugby League. And that's that's really sad because deep down in my heart, I know a lot of people were saying with his age that, you know, is it really worth Brett Stewart, excuse me, you know, Brett to, the, to Brett Morris, Brett Stewart, Brett Morris to try to come back and, and to, you know, try to play alongside his brother one more season. It's a lot of rehab for one more season. It's a lot of rehab for one more season. I've tore my ACL. It's not fun. It's not fun. Um, but, you know, these are world-class athletes. But when you watch this press conference, Brett Morris seemed that he was at peace with his decision. He's got a family now. I think he saw the transition. I think it's a little bit easier when you see that the end is closer to sight in, in sight anyway. Um, but he has. He's decided to step down and, and to retire and to go out on his term of you know finishing with 276. You would love to see him make 300, but he is very, very happy with his career, and um, I'm just so sad that it had to end because of injury. Now, let's go on the NRL round 14 draw. Let's try to pick this. You know, things are going to be strange because there's going to be some players that are not going to come back from origin representation to be with their clubs. But starting tonight, 3 a.m., if you want to watch it live, 3 a.m., going to rock you. Look at that. Okay, I'm gonna, yeah, we're not going to go into that song. But um, the first match of the round, Cowboys at Sea Eagles. I'm taking the Sea Eagles at that. Uh, I see Kieran Foran was going to be back. Uh, the question of, is if DCE comes back. I know Turbo is not going to play. Um, Kane Cuss is going to. Cade Cuss is going to be in there. Dylan Walker is actually going to be back. So I don't know where he's going to play. But there's definitely some players that are going to be, how should I say, bullets to be put into the manly gun for this round. But I am taking the Seagulls. Then we have in the doubleheader, Panthers at the Sharks. Again, I told you guys, I, I don't know who's actually going to play for the Panthers tonight. That's a quick turnaround from, from Origin. I, I just looked. It did not look like these guys were not listed from what I just saw. But like I said, everything's a game-time decision. And you know that Ivan Clitter is not going to set his players up for uh, disaster. But Panthers at Sharks, I'm going to take the Panthers still. I'm still taking the Panthers. Saturday, we started off, and this is a big four-game day. Roosters at the Titans. I'm not going to even have to talk about this long. We're taking the Chookies all day. Knights at the Rabbitohs. Why would I think a team led by Adam O'Brien right now that has no direction in the way they want to carry themselves, how they want to attack, you know, Jake Clifford, it's only going to be a second game. Rabbitohs all day. You know, even if, you know, Rabbitohs, let's just say Rabbitohs all day. Uh, Broncos at the Raiders. This is kind of a tough one because, you know, Ricky's going through some really rough time. That, that team down... Uh, in the nation's capital, is struggling in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Curtis Scott doing stuff. You know, Ricky gave him days. You know, there's a lot of turmoil going on down there. But I still, with all that turmoil, um, 
I can't pick against the Raiders winning against the Broncos. So I'm taking the Raiders. And then the storm at the Warriors. I, I'm going out on a limb on this one. It's up at Gosford. I'm taking the Warriors. I think the Warriors, that is going to be the upset of the round for me. I think the Warriors win this. They always give the Storm a tough battle. Uh, and I think it's going to continue. So I've got the Warriors winning that one. Then on Sunday, Tigers at the Eels start us off. Uh, like I said, the Tigers have won some matches recently. But I think every single one of them you could put an asterisk next to. So I'm going to take the Eels in that. And then Dragons at the Bulldogs. Uh, let's just put it this way. The Dragons find a quarter of the passion they played with last week, and they should be able to handle the doggies. So I'm taking the Dragons. So let's go over who I'm taking. I'm taking the Seagulls, the Panthers, Roosters, Rabbitohs, Raiders, Warriors, Eels, Dragons to end the round. Now, as we transition from Rugby League to Aussie Rules, it starts with a very, very unique situation that's happening. We've all we've talked about the offseason that the Collingwood Magpies have had with presidents leaving, you know, Adam Trelore being shown the door of salary cap issues, uh, you know, off-field problems, you know, that Nathan Buckley, you know, ending a, a marriage that he'd been a part of for a very, very long time. Just really Problem after problem, story after story, situation after situation continues to plague the Pies. And it continues because midweek, Nathan Buckley has stepped down effective immediately as the Collingwood head coach. The, Nathan Buckley has been with the Pies for 478 games as a player and a coach. He's been with the Pies half of his life. And he's, and he's stepping down. And the one thing that Nathan Buckley always said that Collingwood's future, Collingwood, what's best for Collingwood is what's best for him. And in his, in his mind, in his heart, in his feeling, Collingwood would do better without him right now. And truthfully, maybe that'll help Nathan Buckley because I think no matter what he says, he's going through a tough spell. He's going through a really tough time. You know, coaching... One of the most popular clubs in the league going through off-field turmoil at home with your relationship. Um, you know, disharmony in your front office. It, it just, it's got to be a lot. It, it has to be a lot. But it's going to be sad uh, because I, I, when I look at Collingwood, when I look at that that box, I just expect to see Nathan Buckley up there. So, um Congratulations to Nathan Buckley. I, I know this is the last way he thought that he was probably ever going to leave the club and go out. But it's very few and far between that coaches don't go out on the shield the way they want to go out. So um, it looks like, again, another major uh, pin has fallen at Collingwood. Now, in my match of the round from last week, we had the D's and the Lions from GWS Stadium. And, well, what can we say? The D's continue to march on. The pitchfork in the ass. That's what we should say that this, this march is going to be called. The, port, the pitchfork in the ass. Because right now, Melbourne is giving everybody the pitchfork. And they're kind of remi- remembering the years they've had 
of just not having seasons to be re- remembered. And I think they're taking it out on everybody right now. They're just they're just poking everybody with that pitchfork. Be careful. Melbourne's in the building. They're getting, And they got their pitchfork. And they pitchfork the Lions. 97-75. And you just, again, they just keep pulling away a little bit. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb again and say that to me the team to beat still is the Richmond Tigers as long as they become healthy going into finals because there's just something about the champion to be the man you got to beat the man and let's remember the D's have not been in this situation before as the favorite as the front runner as a team that everyone's looking to beat so who knows how the season ends I know Heath Shaw thinks that's going to be the case and I know some of you are would be like who cares what Heath Shaw thinks but you can't take it away from him right now they're sitting four points on top, and they've got that Monday clash, which they could send out Nathan Buckley with a real beatdown. Uh, hopefully the Collingwood Magpie boys decide to show up for their coach so they can carry him off the field with some some pride and some respect. But right now, it's, it's tough to go against the Ds. It's tough. So even though we waited a little bit for the origin round to, 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 to finish game one, we did miss one game. And it probably would have been my game of the round for this this weekend. But Geelong went up to Adelaide Oval in Adelaide and played the Port Adelaide Power in a real slugfest. I'm saying the last, I'd say the last two years, the Geelong-Port Adelaide match might have been the matches between teams uh, easily of the round, but of the season. I'm saying they're just very competitive. These two teams... They leave it out all, all out on the field, and they go at each other. But the Cats, with, oh, it's been waiting a while to do this, Dangerfield back on the field. Uh, they beat the Power, 112-91. to And I don't think people understand how tough it is to go into Adelaide Oval and to beat the Crows or the Port Adelaide Power. Uh, they are tough, tough teams, and they play even tougher in front of that rabid fan base. So that's a huge, huge match for Geelong. And you, you just have to wonder if Geelong is picking up steam and getting healthy uh, to really push a, a charge to get themselves in position so they can make a real run at this finals that's coming up. Um, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, Dangerfield playing his first game back looked good, but... You know, it's a long season. So hopefully Danger and uh, and the boys can continue to stay healthy. Hawkins still looks great. But uh, it's going to be, I, I think this finals, this, these last four to five weeks of the season in the finals are going to be some incredible footy. It's just going to be, it's going to be incredible. My match of the round, because like I said, I can't pick a match that's over. We're going to go with the Richmond Tigers going out west to Optus to take on the West Coast Eagles. Now, I know for the Tigers to really think about going for that repeat like I think they can, they're going to have to make a push. They can't stay in the eighth position. Now, can they? Hell yeah. They're the yellow and black. Do they want to? No. Because what? We've only had uh, the Western Bulldogs uh, be outside the eight and win recently. So Richmond knows they've got to get up there. And even if they get up to fifth, um, you know, it'd be a heck of a lot better than eighth. So that is my match of the round. Now, as we transition to your favorite segment, the guns, 
it was a tough one. But because I got to throw Origin into this, it made it a little bit easier. But my number one gun of the week is Brian Tao. Two tries, 233 running meters, two line breaks, five tackle breaks, two tackles. What a match for Brian Tao. I, I just, those guys' energy, I can watch him and Jerome Luai just feed off of each other uh, all day. I'm just, it, it's, it's two buddies, two best friends who've grown up together, just being able to experience some of the greatest moments of their adult lives, besides their children and their families, that, that, that you could ever ask for. Being able to experience these, these moments with your buddy, your best friend, um, it, it's just, it has to be so special. But the great thing is, week in and week out, people keep thinking somehow that Brian Tyler is going to fail, and he keeps stepping up and just producing, 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 producing. So that's why he's my number one gun, which is tough, because the man right underneath them is Turbo's back, back again. That's right. You know I have to say it. Tom Turbo Trebojevic, three tries, 215 running meters, one line break, one try assist, five tackle breaks, 18 tackles for Turbo. Whew. I almost have to take a breath, a drink of my favorite substance, which I'm not telling you about right now, uh, because that's, that, what a match. And the guy just keeps doing it. No matter if it's origin, for Manly, he just keeps doing it. And he's only going to get stronger. And everyone remembers, and everyone forgets, excuse me, that he's only been back, what, five weeks, four weeks from another injury? If he can stay healthy, he is going to be unstoppable towards the end of the season. And then my number three, Matt Dufty. For whatever reason, Matt, the Dragons do not see you as a part of their future. Which, to say something is asinine is one thing. To say that something makes no sense whatsoever. What, what are you going to do next? Tell me that the, that the Navy is going to say that there's UFO. Wait a sec. Uh, anyway, so Matt Dufty, two tries. 132 running meters, one line break, four line break assists, four try assists, two tackle breaks, and three tackles. And if you look at Matt Dufty, he is not a big dude. He's not a big guy. But he is straight dragon energy. And I don't know how you can get rid of that guy, St. George. I don't know what you guys are thinking. I don't know if... I don't know what you're doing. But it makes no sense. But Matt Duffy... Dufty is my number three gun of the week. Now, as I go outside the bubble, it's very easy for me to go right here. It is game six tonight from Vegas. That's where I'm starting it off. Golden Knights. I don't say it much, but I'll say it here. The VGK, the Vegas Golden Knights, up against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, If the Knights win, they go on, they advance to the semifinals against the Montreal Les Habitants Canadiens and Carey Price. What a ma- what, I, I just I'm just blown away. I'm I'm really excited for the match tonight. When I when I end my podcast with you guys, I'm going right downstairs to get ready to watch the match. I'm very excited. I'm going to tell you about my my healthy diet right now. I actually have two pizzas downstairs waiting for me. Me and the lovely woman in my life the apple of my eye. She's going to partake in some of this pizza too. So I'm just happy for both of us. But that's what my night's going to consist of is 
some good frozen pond with a little bit of NBA. You know, I'm not talking NBA first because my boys from inside the NBA aren't covering. It's only covered by ESPN tonight. So I don't get to see Charles, Chuck, Barkley, the Jet, the Shaq, Shaq Diesel, and Kenny. And Ernie, ah, it makes me. I love it. It might be my favorite show on TV inside the NBA. And I've never been the biggest NBA guy, but it's my easily my favorite show on TV. I watch it no matter what, religiously. But some good NBA tonight. Uh, really excited to see what's going on here. I think we're really starting to look like we are getting ready to go with a uh, Utah Phoenix Western Conference Final, which I don't think anyone predicted at the beginning of the season. But uh, that is going to be on my other screen. But when we go back to hockey, we already have the other side already set up. It's the New York Islanders, unless you guys want to call them the New York Saints. Uh, that's, that's for you to choose. Against the defending, the reigning, defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. I like this Lightning team. Kucherov, Coleman... Stamkos, a great team, uh, and a team I see making it to the Stanley Cup Final to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. And maybe I should be careful saying that yet since we want to get the Vegas Golden Knights the next round. But I picked Vegas to win the whole thing when it started. So, very exciting time. Watch your Frozen Pond. Like I tell you, it is, to me, the greatest postseason for what these guys have to do to lift Lord Stanley's Cup, the toughest thing in sports because each round of seven games are best of seven and each game feels like a lifetime. So that is where I'm starting with. Next, I'm going to transition to something else that's been important in my life for most of my life, the College World Series because this weekend is NCAA Super Regionals weekend. Um, so you've got, you're now down to the last 16 teams in college baseball. The cool thing about this is, Shedheads, you can watch every single one of these games on the ESPN family of networks. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN Asian, ESPN uh, Moon, ESPN Mars. Wait a second. I, 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 wait, we don't have those channels yet. Okay, but all of the ESPN channels that are currently in existence, you can watch every single one of these games, and they actually have them spread out so you can watch them, pretty much all. So if, as long as you have two different devices, you're gold, and not Monster Gold, which I'll be drinking here shortly too. Um, and wait a second, I'm not plugging anybody unless they endorse my thing. I'm going to be drinking a drink after this. Um, I want to talk, and this is a total pivot, these last two things. One of them I don't even have written down to talk to you guys about, but I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that next because I think these last two guys deserve me to finish with. But I know a lot of people have been talking recently about college, female college softball. And... I'm not a softball fan. I don't have a daughter. Uh, my, my beautiful lady in my life, she wasn't a softball player. She's a tall one. She's a, she was a volleyball girl. So you know what that means. Uh, anyway, so um, so as I go off, totally off the rails there. Um, but I've never really been into softball. I, I think that the girls are way too close when they pitch. I don't understand the face masks. Uh, you know, it just isn't my thing. But it's cool, I, you know, whoever. But the thing I want to I really point out 
if the NCAA wants fair, you cannot have the national championship stadium that you play at be in the backyard of one team year after year. Because that team uses that as a recruiting tool. That team can tell people, guess what? You're going to be playing a home game when you're playing for the national championship. And it was proven again. The Oklahoma Sooners won the national championship again. I'm not taking anything away from the Oklahoma Sooners. They're not a a good to great softball club. But you can't tell me that it... That it that is seventy five hundred stadium you know person stadium seated stadium whatever you want to say isn't affected when seven thousand of those people are rooting for that team. That's utter. I almost used profanity there. It's utter BS. Let's just say that, and that the NCA is not looking at that and saying, you know, Oklahoma, you treated us well, but it's not fair because it was not fair for those Florida State girls that they had to win two out of three games when the entire state was against them and the entire crowd was against them, except for a few fans that could get in there, family and friends. It's wrong. And it's very, very wrong. And I'm hoping that some of these these institutions start standing up and saying, you know, this needs to be played in a neutral site. And I don't know how you're going to do that, but I, you know, and I know Oklahoma cherishes, they, they treat everybody somewhat well I should say because you know I I would hate to be one of the fans when I'm 500 against 7,000 but it needs to go to a better equal stadium scenario area whatever you want to say but fix that NCA because you guys always stand on your soapbox saying how you want an even playing field and then that spectacle happens and I'm sorry for the Florida State Seminoles girls who had an incredible season who didn't get a fair shake at the end. They didn't get a fair shake at the end. And I and I and don't ever try to tell me, well, everybody has to play in front of fans. Well, if that's the case, then why is every sporting institution saying, I'm so happy the fans are back, even though they may spit on you and throw cups at you and might run out on the field. Man, it's so good to have the fans back. Well, if that if the fans aren't important, why do we care that they're back? And what I mean by that is the energy that fans can generate, you're not, you can't tell me doesn't affect how teams play, one way or the other. So, NCA, you got a real situation on your hands because I don't, I don't have time for your college softball until you have a fair, a, a, a fair playing field. That is me on my soapbox. Done. Moving on from that. Probably the last talk we're going to have about softball too, by the way. Um, and then I want to finish with two greats of the game. Because tonight, uh, as I will probably be trying to go to bed, because I'm going to be waking up for Super Regionals tomorrow, Nadal and Djokovic, semifinal, French Open, tonight, tomorrow morning, whatever, however you want to say it, I guess it's tomorrow morning, because I think it's a 6 a.m. Um, start. But who knows how many more are we gonna, how more of these, these head-to-heads we're going to have between these two. And I know you're on Nadal's surface, but Djokovic... Might be one of the few guys on the planet, besides Dominic Team when he's on top, and I think Zverev and Tsitsipas will push whoever they face in the final between uh, Djokovic and Nadal. But these two are going at it again, and it's probably going to be five sets of brutality and just hard hitting, and I don't, I can't get enough of that. Um, so. I want to end with that one because when greats meet, they need to be talked about, no matter what sport we're talking about. Um, so, Shedheads, 
I've given you a lot. Drink a little glass of warm water so everything can digest. Uh, get a little shot of caffeine now. But I'm turning you loose because there's a lot in front of you, a lot of greatness to take in. Sports, this is a this is one of the most exciting times of the year. Um, origin, College World Series, NBA Finals, NHL, Stanley, oh man, what a great time to be alive. I hope you guys are being safe out there. I hope you're remembering that COVID is real. Um, thinking about the people in Melbourne right now, uh, people in India right now that are still fighting this, this, this virus that's still out there. Uh, don't be fooled by it. We're just fortunate to be in America that we have the, the, the shots and the vaccines. But, you know, some people just don't want to take it because, you know, why would we want to do anything like that? So we won't even get into that. But until next time, you stay safe out there. Uh, how do I say? Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught, right, Shedheads? Just remember what I say. And I'll see you next week on Outside the Shed. This has been Corey Jackson. I will see you next week. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 